Please remain standing for our reading of scripture this morning, which comes to us out of Galatians chapter 5. We read verses 16 through 26. Galatians 5, 16 through 26. The words of Paul say, Live by the Spirit, I say, and do not gratify the desires of the flesh. For what the flesh desires is opposed to the Spirit, and what the Spirit desires is opposed to the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to prevent you from doing what you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not subject to the law. Now the works of the flesh are obvious, fornication, impurity, licentiousness, idolatry, sorcery, enmities, strife, jealousy, anger, quarrels, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, carousing, and things like these. I am warning you, as I warned you before, those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. By contrast, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, self, uh, gentle, generosity faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against such things, and those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and its desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also be guided by the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, competing against one another, envying one another. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. I invite you to be there. Let's pray. Lord, open our hearts and minds by the power of your Holy Spirit. Lord, as scripture is read, as word is proclaimed, help us hear with joy what you say to us this day in your name. Amen. In our lives, at times... There is a difference, in fact, there can be a huge gap between the ideal and the real. Have you ever noticed that? There can be a huge gap between the ideal and the real. Let me give you an example. Uh, here's a story that uh, a man tells about a day of apple picking. And so he begins by saying, uh, by describing the ideal day for apple picking. He says, the leaves are golden and rusty. The sky is beautiful and it's 75 degrees. We all pile into the van and start singing and laughing as we merrily drive to the countryside early in the morning. We arrive with plenty of time to enjoy the orchard and all it has to offer Surprisingly, the folks, uh, folks at the apple orchard say, today apples are free to all families. So our kids guzzle down apple cider and stuff themselves with apple donuts, and they don't even get a sugar high. Finally, after a perfect day at the orchard, we drive home to the sound of our children saying, wow. Thanks, Mom and Dad, for a wonderful family-filled day. Well, you know it's just a dream of a story at that point, right? He says it was a disaster from the start. We leave at least two hours late. The orchard closes at five. We get in the van at three. It's an hour and a half drive. But, Dad, gummit, we planned on going today, so we are still going. 
We get in the car, we miss lunch because of getting everything done with blood sugar levels plummeting. My wife and I start arguing. I think it's her fault we left late. She says it's my fault we left late. We keep arguing until the kids interrupt us because they start arguing with each other. I snap, turn around and say, hush up in the back. I can't hear myself arguing with your mother. No, this is not a personal story, by the way. When we all pull into Apple Orchard finally, we only have 30 minutes before closing, so I tell the kids, hurry up and go have fun. The interest fee was outrageous because they know they can rip off people coming from the city who are trying to claim that they are sharing a day in the country. When we get the kids back in the van, it's already dark. On the way home, we finally get to see what apples we have, so we stop at McDonald's for an apple turnover. Anybody ever just have a day that you had planned to the nines that was going to be ideal and then reality hits? Unfortunately, our lives aren't always ideal. That's why we have to maintain self-control in a world where it's easy to lose it. Someone say amen. amen. Today we talk about the fruit of the Spirit that is self-control. And we ask the question, is it really possible to master oneself? Is it really possible to master oneself? And where does this phrase, master oneself, come from? Well, as we've learned throughout this entire series we've been on with the fruit of the Spirit, we have discovered that these fruits are not always straightforward. The words, while they may seem straightforward to us, they really aren't. There's a lot of underlying definitions and meanings, and, and we have learned that we have to dig deeper under the surface and take the scenic route to figure out what in the world are they trying to say? What message was Paul trying to convey in the context of speaking to the people of Galatia? And we learn with this word self-control that it translates in the Greek of having strength over oneself. An alternate uh, translation it is also used for in other places throughout Scripture in the Greek is it translates to mean to master oneself. To have strength over oneself or to master oneself. Are you with me this morning? So a working definition, I like... Webster's definition of the word self-control here. So I'm going to share that one with you. Webster defines self-control as restraint exercised over one's own impulses, emotions, or desires. Okay? Restraint exercised over one's own impulses, emotions, or desires. Or we can add to it a little bit this morning and say it is physical and emotional self-mastery. Physical and emotional self-mastery, particularly in situations of intense provocation or temptation. So when things start getting hot, heated, and heavy, self-control is the ability to stay cool under pressure. Are you with me this morning? We okay with these definitions? Amen. I like that. I heard Millie lit a fire under her class today, so. Other words that we have uh, 
scene used throughout Scripture uh, that have a similar meaning to self-control um, are words such as sober, temperance, uh, temperance uh, discipline, and continence. The Greeks were high on self-control. Okay, the discipline of self was highly admired and considered the proper order and balancing of life. So for Paul to speak to the people of Galatia about self-control, this was something that, that they would have had uh, uh, a view of already and a view that was looked at very highly. And so success oftentimes to the Greeks was based on the ability to capture self-control. Aristotle once said, I count him braver who overcomes his desires than him who conquers his enemies. For the hardest victory is the victory over self. Plato adds to it and believes that uh, uh, our animal urges must be governed or else they will produce, quote, a feverish state in the soul, a city of pigs which knows no limits. Plato didn't mince words, did he? Sisters and brothers, to add to Plato, here is Swear. When we're not self-controls, our life can be like a pigsty. When we're not self-controlled, our life can be like a pigsty. We can illustrate uh, this meaning by using Proverbs chapter 25, verse 28. Proverbs 25, 28 says this, A person without self-control is like a breached city, one with no walls. In ancient times, as we continue talking about the Greeks and other uh, ancient cities in antiquity, cities were built within the protection of tall walls. Have you seen pictures and, and hear stories of history about cities behind tall walls? Even Jerusalem was uh, uh, built behind uh, tall walls. They were designed to keep aggressors out, creating a barrier between a city and their attackers or invaders. But when these walls were breached... A city had no other primary defense system in many times. So once inside these walls, the enemy could lay siege and destruction and death upon the city. Anybody familiar with the uh, story of the city of Troy and Achilles? What happened with this particular story? The Greeks spent days trying to invade the Trojan city of Troy, and they could not breach the walls. Therefore, they used their ships to construct a big wooden horse to which they left in the eyes of the Trojans as a peace offering. Except they didn't leave. They hid inside the wooden horse, and when the Trojans brought it inside their city, the walls were now breached, and the Greeks laid siege to the city of Troy. The moment we lose self-control, the moment we lose self-discipline, is the moment 
that the walls around our lives are breached. It's much easier to keep the enemy out than it is to throw him out once he gets in. Amen? For most of humanity today, the enemy is not an invading country or any other person or intimate or, uh, or uh, uh, any kind of uh, uh, thing or thoughts or idea. The primary enemy for us today is often ourselves. The primary enemy many of us face today is often ourselves. When we become believers, our sinful nature still exists. Though we have a new life in Christ, we still have a mind and a body that is prone to rebellion and to being enticed by sinful desires. We often experience resistance when we follow the Spirit's leading. Satan serves as as a persistent teacher of rebellion, and humanity has had centuries of practice with rebellion. Whatever path we choose, we will hear the whispers of opposition in our ears. Our choices are never free from conflict. And this is the nature of humanity. Whenever we set out to do what the Holy Spirit instructs us, we can often expect our sinful nature to flare up in opposition. That's Satan's job, y'all. That's the very reason why Satan exists, to oppose the Holy Spirit in everything he can, he can possibly do. And so our nature of humanity says there is an ongoing opposition between good and evil. And it's there, and there's nothing we can do about it being there. However, as followers of Jesus, we are called to resist those desires. God asks us to place our sinful nature not under our own control, because guess what? We can never defeat Satan on our own, can we? We can't. It's a fact of existence. However, we are called to place our sinful nature under the control of the Holy Spirit so that God can transform it. That we can do. And this is not just a a, a checkbox system. This is a supernatural process, okay? We must never underestimate the power of sinful desires, okay? And we must never attempt to fight them on our own. Because this is not a bad news moment. It's a moment of fact of existence. Satan is very strong. But our God is stronger. Satan is a crafty tempter. And we have a, and, and, and we have a limitless ability to create excuses, do we not? <laughs> Instead of trying to overcome sin by our own willpower, we are called to take advantages of the tremendous power of Christ. Folks, we know who wins in the end. We've seen it already through the power of the cross. 
God provides for victory over our sinful nature. God sends the Holy Spirit to live inside of us, to give us the power we need. But our ability to restrain the desires of the sinful nature depends on how much we're willing to live according to the Holy Spirit. The enemy we're called to keep out. The Holy Spirit we are called to invite in. The more we have of the Holy Spirit, the less room for the sinful desires of this world. So the question is this, is it really possible to master oneself? As you've seen throughout this series, the answer to these questions are usually yes. Yes, it is possible to master oneself when we are willing to allow the Holy Spirit to be the one directing our lives. When we submit to allowing God through the power of the Holy Spirit because of Jesus Christ conquering that cross, when we allow the Holy Spirit to take control of our lives, then and only then can we master ourselves And it's not because we are our own master. It is because we have submitted to the great master. Are you with me this morning? Say amen. Amen. Yes, we can master ourselves. It's about how much we're willing to let go of the reins and let the Holy Spirit do the driving. You know, we all have evil desires, and we've talked about that, and, and, and we cannot ignore them. They're there. They will always be there. They will never go away. It is the nature of humanity. In order for us to follow the Holy Spirit's guidance, we must deal with them decisively. If you're like me, you like to put things off that you don't want to deal with. Anybody else like that? Oh, it'll just go away on its own. Guess what? Satan's not going anywhere. Satan is not going anywhere, unfortunately. And so we cannot just put off evil desires. We must deal with them decisively. Dealing with them means constantly staying in step with the Holy Spirit. It means continuing to allow more and more of the Holy Spirit in. Do you know what I mean by staying in step? Any, any, any fellow band nerds from high school here with me today? Thank you, Jonah. What happens when a band is out of step on the field? Everybody sees it, and it looks and sounds bad, doesn't it, Noble? We must stay in step. That way we can be in sync across all aspects of life with the Holy Spirit. Eventually, if we remain out of sync with the Spirit, those walls that are built up around our hearts, around our lives, that are designed to keep Satan out, will create a small opening that's just big enough for Satan to slither into. We are called to remain faithful to our lives and as believers and truly live as children of God. This means keeping our hands out of the pot 
off the steering wheel that steers our life and allowing the Holy Spirit to take complete control. I don't know about you, but that's hard for me to let control go. But as soon as we do, as soon as the Holy Spirit is our driving force, we realize that there's nothing Satan can do to us that God cannot help us overcome. When we are faithful to this, then our lives produce fruit and not the sinful desires that this world creates. This is the gospel message, folks. To master oneself means to allow the true master to take over. True self-control means being under the control of God by way of the Holy Spirit. What do we need to give up today to allow our master to have ultimate control for us? What do we need to, to take on, perhaps, today to give all control to the Holy Spirit? You know, this is a different question for every person here. We all have different desires, different needs, different ways the devil is playing on our lives and our hearts. But we have one truly amazing God that loves every one of us so much that God does not want even one of his lambs to go astray. And God will fight for you in every way possible. He was already willing to die for us. Is there anything that God is not willing to do for us? This is the gospel message. Glory be to the Father, to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit. Amen.